0: DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Greg Rubell radio voice of BYU. Greg, good morning. DJ, PK, good day. <laughs> it is a good day. So I was leaving uh, St. George. I had to be an event down there uh, for work. It like uh, I got out of there at like 7. Well, I left. The event was still going, but I got to leave at like 7.30, 7.45. I'm driving back. And I'm flipping around on the radio, and sure enough, I find Rebel and Durant in the post-game show for a solid hour. That was awesome. You got me halfway across the state pretty much. <laughs> and uh, and you were talking about the greatest wins, and I'm thinking, well, I shouldn't argue with Greg Rebell about the greatest Cougar wins, but I think a lot of us went straight to Kansas, and beating undefeated Gonzaga when they were number one right at the end of the regular season. I didn't think there was anything compared to those two. Now that you've had a little time to, you know, calm down, think about it, are those the top two and what is the order?
1: You know, they're, they're regular season games, and, and the biggest games generally, you know, happen in the postseason when you're either winning a tournament or advancing mm-hmm. in a tournament. Uh, but, you know, it, it, BYU doesn't have a lot of those, you know, deep advancement type situations. And so, you know, wins in the round of 32 against Gonzaga to get to the Sweet 16, those kinds of games, you know, come to mind or, or, you know, or or record setting games like, you know, Jimmer going for 52. But in terms of just monumental in the moment, even though they were regular season games and didn't win BYU a title or anything, I, I think those two, I kind of rise to the top, and and although that that Marriott Center experience was unforgettable with the, with the fans on the floor, and and it you know it was like the last big moment before COVID, right? So it had a, an additional kind of poignancy to it, um, and kind of a bittersweetness though too, right? Because that that team didn't get to go anywhere, and and this team has still has so much in front of it, and you did it in basically you know the home of college basketball. Let's say, I mean the first coach of Kansas basketball was Dr. James Naismith, right? So, you know, when, when you go into a place, you know, that 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 has basically the sport, you know, uh, you know, wafting through its rafters, um, it, it's tough to think of anything kind of bigger in the moment than what occurred last night. I mean, Bill Self averages less than one home loss per year. Right, That was his 18th home loss in his 21st season. He has more. Conference championships regular season championships as a head coach, then he has home losses at, at Allen Fieldhouse for his career so so doing what BYU did was uh, you know it's not incomparable, very rare and and for BYU to do it in its first season in the big twelve, you know coming off a rough day on the weekend, um, doing it in as energized an environment as i've ever experienced. Mark and I were in the belly of the beast last night and and our crowd Mike. Was was used? You didn't need the crowd mic because our headset mics picked up more noise than we could handle. Mark after the game said you got any ibuprofen because his head was ringing uh, after last night, and and it, it, and he he described it, and we talked about it a bit on post game two DJ that he felt like he was in a movie at one point. Yeah, I you heard know? him say that. He he, lo- he, lo- he looked around. And the throng, like it's it's 16,300, but it's packed into a building that might typically seat 10 or 11,000 people if you've got actual seats. But the building is almost all bleachers. So it is such a throng packed into a really confined space. And it was pulsating. People were jumping. And the screaming is nonstop. And it's just, he, he used the word that like was a movie. And it felt like you were in it, like you were in the final scene of Hoosiers almost. And and you look up into the building, and it's and it's that old-style bricks and steel and, and And the banners are all almost like like hand painted, and it's it's just, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget last night, guys. and <laughs> And so, yeah, for today, you know it's right up there. I don't know the order, DJ, you wanted the order, but because of where it came and and how it came and and just a legendary name and building and origin of the sport, it's tough to top.
2: I thought you guys did a good time, a good job filling time until Coach Pope got out there. It took a while. Uh, because- well, he had,
1: he had about you know three or four national interviews. Yeah, oh, well, I saw, into, so I, and then I turned, on,
2: I turned on the television, and it was uh, I saw him doing uh, uh, basketball, whatever it's called, <coughs> on uh, ESPN two. I think it was. Uh, th- I was real interested in what he had to say, with his emphasis on the faith. And he yeah. even went into, you know, little got a little Bronco-ish there with the, with the religion, uh, which, you know, is fine. And, I mean, that's who he's working for, no problem there. Uh, but I've, I was fascinated with his idea of talking about the faith. Uh, and, and you talk to him uh, virtually after every game, and you do a, a coach's thing with him in the week. I I don't uh, profess to to listen to all of them, uh, but what did you make of his... Uh, his emphasis on the faith and, and all that stuff that he was getting at, because I thought it was interesting.
1: Well, the, there's a broader emphasis on, on the faith that comes via the faith-based institution part of what he's talking about. And, and it's great to embrace and lean into that and describe what makes BYU special and unique for a lot of his players. But there's also, you know, taking off of that, the faith that the players have in each other now and and the faith they have in their potential or abilities and and so it, it, it's two kinds of faith working with right. this program right now and and so I, I think they, they both mold pretty well together uh, how this is a team now built on belief it's a team built on beliefs plural and a team now built on belief and and that's what I think has emerged from this season uh, to this point and, and and Mark is happy to spread that message, too. I mean, BYU is a very unique school, and, and he is more than happy to you know spread the message of, of why it is a little different in, in, in the world of college athletics. And, and I think he's doing a great job of, of balancing every part of his of his role that way. Um, and he spoke about it, too. I mean, he caught this maybe a little bit, PK, and he didn't want to get into details about it, but he said there were some things that happened tonight in the room um, at least my, my, my perception of it was of a spiritual nature yeah, that, yeah. that resonated in a way that he didn't really necessarily want to come out publicly with, but something that might have galvanized his group and maybe they can lean on moving forward. So that was kind of cool to hear about, too.
2: I was wondering if Jimmer appeared or something. Hmm.
0: Rock solid toughness by you, Greg. I was waiting for some kind of reaction. You gave it a hmm, and then you just drew the line. That was rock solid mental toughness from you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've, I've had to do that, and it's not as easy as some people might think. So, bravo to you. Thank you very much.
2: You know, I've come
1: to I've, I've come to embrace a a, a, a mantra over time. Uh, when in doubt. Leave it out. So I kind of, there it is. I just kind of sat there. Yeah. yeah. Good,
0: good job by you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yep. I want to go back to what you said about the faith in each other because college basketball has always been a little transitory, right? JC kids were only there two years. BYU dealt with transfers. Kids might play for a year and then they're gone for Two on a mission, and by the time they come back, you know, two thirds of the team is different. And now, the transfer portal that's just heat up. So, how do you get that connection, especially when guys are getting hurt and they're in and out of the lineup? Key players, you know, when Foose is out, that, that's a big loss. He provides something that's hard to replicate on this roster. So, how do you build those connections so you can get big wins in tough times on the road?
1: Well, I, I think your question uh, begets another question, which is. How does a middle-of-the-pack WCC team one year become a top-tier team in the toughest basketball conference in the country the next year? And, And the key is almost everybody came back intact, and there wasn't the transitory phase BYU had to go through. They added a very key piece in Ali Khalifa, and I think, and Coach Pope, I heard him on a different interview last night talking about he's unlocked an additional thirty percent to BYU's offense that wasn't there before. I mean, how how big is that, right? To have one guy come in and give you a whole new way to play, right? and And so they add Ali Khalifa, but that's the only new piece to the puzzle. Now we have to note that they they re uh, included uh, Trevan Nell, who was part of the program for years but didn't play last year due an injury. So Trevin becomes active, but Ali's the only new piece and BYU did what few teams do, which gets to your original question, DJ, is they got old. Now, you could make the joke about BYU and old, but the teams and coaches say that's what you want to do. You want to be able to get old, and it's so hard to do now, right? It, it's also possible to retain groups that stay together for two and three and, well, heaven forbid, four years, but a lot of these guys are those guys on this BYU team, and so BYU did what so few teams can do, which is get old, and that lone factor, You know, is as responsible for going middle-of-the-pack WCC to top-tier Big 12 one year later. A lot of the same guys, but they now know so much more uh, about each other, are able to play better with each other. Um, Coach Pope talks about the addition of a new offensive element in Ali Khalifa, uh, adding to the package, that's a huge part of it too. And yes, they adopted what Coach Pope calls a a hyperbolic approach to the three-point shot. You know, they were going to be an outlier. And, and, and that was the other thing, too, guys, and maybe this also helps answer your question, uh, DJ. You can't just out Big 12 the Big 12. The, 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 the teams do things that BYU can't necessarily go out and replicate top to bottom, but they can be very different and extremely different in this one way. Be more reliant on the three than any other team. And the storyline going into last night, and the reason I thought BYU had a really legitimate shot, was if BYU does what it does well and Kansas does what it does Well, BYU's well can outdistance KU's well because you're exchanging threes for twos. It's not a part of KU's game. They made three threes last night. Well, that's kind of like that's who they are. And BYU made 13 threes, and that's kind of who they are. But who BYU is on that kind of night can win a game, and that's what happened last night.
2: That faith aspect that Coach Pope was bringing up, and he knows what he was getting at, probably better than us. But faith in yourself, faith in belief. Dallin Hall, one for ten, zero for five from three the game before, to have the wherewithal to take that step back three, wow, and to make just to just to even launch it, I thought took some faith. But to make it in that situation, and there was a lot of big shots. Jackson, Robinson, Waterman hit a big three. But I thought Hall, given the fact that he was 1-for-10, 0-for-5 from three just a prior game, to still have the confidence to take that, I just thought that was incredible.
1: Yeah, over 100 Dickinson, and BYU was getting those switches a lot last night and, and, and actually doing a really nice job with them. And that last one, the most notable, um, I, I tweeted out a, a short time ago, um, Dallin's numbers, assist to turnover numbers, beyond his scoring, is assist to turnover numbers in BYU's wins in the Big 12. And, and they're remarkable. I mean, he, he is so good. If he's that good, BYU's likely winning the game, and that's kind of how it's been. You bring up the, the K-State loss, and, and it's also notable, PK, that, that after each of BYU's last four Big 12 losses, they've won the very next game. And the Big 12 is not a really easy bounce back league uh, in BYU's previous league. If you have a tough loss, there's probably a, 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 an easier W coming around the corner. Well, you don't necessarily look at your BYU your, your Big 12 schedule that way. And so, you know, to bounce back time and again, uh, and this time to do it on the road, the previous bounce backs had happened at home, but to go from K-State to Kansas and and still get that bounce back win is also uh, pretty remarkable. And, and that's what this team is kind of, you know, showing us to be kind of a hallmark is – is resiliency. Um, you know they, they don't go on losing streaks. You know they haven't lost more than two games in a row in Big Twelve play, and they're they're fifteen games into this league right now, and and so you can't keep them down for very long. And uh, that that's a nice thing to be able to lean on uh, if, if you're a coach of this team.
2: Eddie Money, you can't keep a good man down. Is that where you're going? We'll go there. Sure, why not? Yeah, <laughs>
1: <sure>. <laughs> I, you know, you know, I I embrace the classic rock. <laughs>
0: You mentioned uh, three-game losing streaks. There haven't been very many three-game winning streaks in this league. The top teams, Houston and Iowa State, have done it. And I actually think Baylor has. Kansas hasn't. They're really hard to come by. And I'm wondering now if you go into the whole thing about you know the faith in themselves, the faith in each other, and they're building on it and they figure something out at Kansas, can they put one together now? Can they eliminate the Oklahoma State where – it seemed like they just had nothing going and it didn't make any sense and they got beat pretty soundly by the team that's, uh, you know, battling to stay out of last place. So eliminated those. Can we see a win streak going forward? Acknowledging those are yeah. hard in the Big 12. Very hard to
1: do. Yeah, B- BYU was one of, I think, four or five teams that had neither won nor lost more than two games in a row um, going into this week. And, and yeah, it'd be nice to go on a little bit of a mini run uh, at the end, but uh, you've got... PCU at home, and then you go right to Ames and, and Iowa State's you know one of the last two teams now in this conference that hasn't lost a home game uh, yet in the league with with Houston and Iowa State. In fact, they're they're two of the top winning streak teams in the country right now at home. So, you know whether or not a run emerges or not, if BYU were to finish, you know at 500 in their first year in in the Big 12 uh, or a game above 500 you know that that's certainly good enough uh to give yourself a favored seat in the NCWA tournament. I think BYU's almost it's not mathematical yet, but but they're pretty much set at at avoiding that that first round game in Kansas City on that Tuesday. And I'm sure that everyone thought first year in the Big 12 you're going to be you know, probably, you know, in in that opening day game and that's not going to be the case. BYU is going to avoid that opening day and get themselves at least a single bye and they're actually in the running for the double bye. I mean they're they're tied for 5th and and the top four teams get the double buy. that's a pretty big ask because, you know, you, you, you've got Iowa State in Ames next week. Uh, but, man, if you just want it at, at Allen Fieldhouse, you know, what, what's not reasonable at this point or, or hopeful at this point? So I'm just excited for the last week and a half of the league to see how this thing shakes out. And if BYU can get itself a single bye. They'll have done a heck of a lot, uh, more than people thought they would do uh, in their first year in the Big 12.
2: Going big pitcher, I contend, and BYU's had a lot of good things happen to it over the years in basketball, that the presence and membership in the Big 12 is literally the best thing that has happened to BYU basketball. What's your response?
1: Yes. uh, Rising tide lifts all boats. Iron sharpening iron. uh, Choose your cliché or adage. They all seem to apply. Uh, BYU got tougher by playing in a tougher league, just simply put. And and there's a different kind of pressure in the Big 12 than there was in the WCC. In, in the WCC, the pressure was to avoid the season crippling loss. And you went into most of your games knowing that that loss would be a bad loss. And that's not the way it is in the Big 12. And that changes a team's perspective and outlook and the way they play. You, you, you don't want to play with, with the fear, right? You want to play with the hope, and 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 the WCC was primarily a fear-based league. It just was. You had a couple games, a couple teams that you'd get a reward from, and the rest were all risk. You risk losing and hurting your resume and tumbling out of the postseason. That was the reality. In the Big 12, you don't play with that fear. You play with the hope and you play with the reward. WCC was mostly risk, little reward, and Big 12 is mostly reward and little risk is the best way to put it. Um, and, and so, it, you know, a, ba- a bad day is never really that bad a day in the Big 12 because the team you lost to, um, you know, let's say it's K-State, well, that's a top 75 net or Ken Palm team anyway. That's still a good basketball team that, that opened the year 4-1 and one in the Big 12. So y- y- even the losses that hurt never hurt you too much. But if you wander into in Firestone Fieldhouse and have a bad night, that can really hurt you.
2: Yeah, but you had a good view, though.
1: Yeah, that was always the saving grace.
2: <laughs> Pepperdine. I
1: had, but I had more, more more bad nights than I care to remember in, in that place. It was a weird deal.
0: Well, six road games in California in the middle of a winter was always a good deal, but the quality competition now is off the charts, and that's fun.
1: Yeah. And what the, I, the travel? The travel's tough. And by the way, we get out of the gym last night, and it's like a mini blizzard here. Was and it? We, it, it was Mark, Mark Durant was strolling around in shorts yesterday. It was 75 degrees. And we get out of the building and it's swirling snow and it was bitter cold. It was the most dramatic cold front I've seen sweep in. And so that and that and that's Big Twelve Life for you right there. It, it it's a whole different deal with the weather. And most of your your destinations you're flying and then driving somewhere. Yeah. And it's already been a bit of an adventure and I'm sure there are more to come over over the years ahead.
0: Well,
2: we appreciate your time.
0: Hey, last thing before we let you go, you did throw this out that you got a tour from the guy who is the radio voice of kansas basketball and he showed you stuff most people don't get to see now given the fact that the guy who invented the sport was the first coach of kansas when i heard that i was super intrigued what what did you get to see what kind of basketball yeah, history so, stuffed away there
1: he, yeah shout out to brian haney brian haney is the voice to Jayhawks, and he's become a good friend and One of the cool things about the big 12 too, a little inside baseball here is just how collegial the broadcasters are. Um, You know, there was a big group dinner at the big 12 media days. We're having a dinner, all all, all the play by play guys and and the color guys at the conference tournament coming up here. It's a really tight group and they bring you into the club and make you feel at home. That's been a really rewarding thing too, about the big 12 as a side note, but Brian uh, took me up into the Kansas basketball offices. And um, as part of our, tour, if you will. He did take us to an area that's publicly accessible, which is the original document that Dr. James James Naismith wrote. It's behind glass. Apparently it cost four million dollars to acquire this document. And it's on display and it lights up and you actually hear the voice of Dr. James Naismith, the last recorded uh the last recording of his voice, um, talking about the game. You see that history. Then he took me into the offices and he said, Greg, if if Allen Field House is a cathedral this is our uh, this is our Sistine Chapel and he and he shows me this mural. It's a canvas mural on the wall, and this is back in the basketball offices area, not publicly accessible. There's a there's a mural. It's on canvas and it it it, it portrays each of the final four programs in Kansas basketball history, hand painted, and it gets added on to every time they add a new final four group, and it's this massive mural all expertly painted. And, and it's, it's like a piece of art. It is a beautiful work of art that basically shows you all of Kansas basketball history over a century. Then you go into the actual offices where coach Bill Self has his area and you have got the trophy case. I call it the trophy case. It's a trophy room and you can only imagine how big this room was and how much hardware there was on display for as many things as Kansas has to show. And so this was all part of the day and and then you end it with the game, right? And, and you just, you're just overwhelmed by everything you've seen, heard, experienced, and then to get the result at the end of that pretty incomparable.
0: We appreciate your time. I learned that and I learned when in doubt, leave it out. So, you know, this has been a really good segment. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad
1: to have been with you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I know Mark Durant looks forward to the next time he can visit with you. He had some travel plans this morning that uh, made him unavailable, but uh, you know, I'll be here for you whenever you need me. And uh, always a pleasure, guys. Thanks, Greg. Thank
0: Greg Bell, radio voice of the BYU Cougars.